some, some of the ingredients that at some stages you think was so absolute necessary for a church meeting to be to be good and nice, you know, just kind of go out of the window, you know. I mean, no one is going to ask us, how was the lightning or lighting today? And, you know, how good was the sound? You know, but but if the presence of God is there, it really doesn't matter, you know. And I, I think what I like about this time, it's sometimes, uh, in this time, it forces us. <laughs> it really forces us to see that it's not about the building. It's not about the meeting place. It's not about this or that. But if we can have the Lord, you know, everything, everything is well. And I... I was uh, thinking, you know, in, in Siberia, they uh, they have, I mean, these guys need to be baptized, you know. So um, the challenges in winter, though, where do you baptize them? Because there's just no water. Everything is frozen. And so what they would do is, um <laughs> is they, will, uh, they will make a hole in, in the lake. And then you can't baptize one at a time. Oh, you can't baptize. One person can't baptize. So they make a hole in the ice, and one person stands on this side, and one person stands on that side, holding the person's <laughs> hand, and dunk him in, in the water that was just uh, a frozen cap on, and uh, baptize them. But it, you know, and 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 <coughs> I think over time, we you know, we 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 even in the way that we have church, it kind of lent to make it find ways to make comfort, find ways to make it easy, you know, and uh, not necessarily are drawn to our comfort, you know, it's just drawn to hearts that's after him, so I thought there about my Siberian crowd over there, I hope you guys uh, will experience extra anointing, <laughs> so then uh, just uh, one more thing about new seasons, as a church we are also in different ways experience new things as well, new flavors and all those beautiful things. So I was wondering if Warren and Lynn can just quickly come to that. So why why are we super excited on Wednesday when we have the the online gathering and some will be in person gathering? These two wonderful people will be put into eldership. <laughs> so um, I think there's two things, you know, I, uh, it's a little bit premature. I'm just thinking next week is a long weekend and not so many people here. So while we have most of us here, I think it will be just good to say from our side as a congregation, you know, Warren and Lynn has a unique flavor, right? It's different than any other couple on the eldership team, right? It's a uh, it's a very unique, and uh, um, we don't actually want them to be like any other other couple in the eldership team or in the whole of Josh Jane. We want them, and what God is on them, and the flavor that they have to be in our midst. And we, as the church, you know, want to want to set them free to be to be that, you know, to be who God has created them. And then I want to also ask you guys. You know, there is something different when these guys are going to be set into eldership. There's a different grace. There's a different anointing. And God is recognizing something on them or something is what God has on them are being recognized. <laughs> and I, I, I want to ask <laughs> that as <laughs> that we will honor them as elders in our midst and that we will submit to them as elders in the congregation and uh, what they bring and what they do see as 
from God, not only judging them according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. All right? Bless you guys. I think there's going to be a whole lot more tears from (laughs) 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 But it's good. Bless you guys. And then, you know, <coughs> it's, it's uh, interesting, uh, the, the words that's coming out today, you know, and the, the new thing um, and the end of certain seasons and the, the letting go of the old and the new coming. And, and uh, you know, w- when words like that come, it's almost like when revival words is coming out, you know. Um, when, when I say revival, I tell you, I don't know how many people are here, I think about 250 <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> there will be uh, there will be 250 different interpretations or definitions of what the word revival is, you know. And I I think God spoke today, you know. But I think it's good for us to understand what he what he is saying, and to 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 what the new thing means, you know. Um, and and of course I'm not giving myself out that I know what it means for each one of you. But I actually think like that which I have today is there to clarify some of these things so that when we set our gaze on the new, (laughs) we set it into what God sees as the new, right? And when we let go of the old, (laughs) we don't celebrate the the new as really the old thing, you know, that we would, that we'll do this right in tune with God. So I, I, um, there's, there's been this wonderful wave that's going through through the congregation that people have kind of prayed for one another. I, I see like ministering to one another. It's just become more often. There's been times of praying for one another and, and just uh, the great breakthrough that's happened um, through this time. So I just hear testimonies all over the show of, of these things. You know, I was uh, lucky enough to sit in, in, a, in a session and uh, um, <coughs> with one, one brother and uh, um, the I've oh yeah let me just say I've asked for permission I'm not going to name names I got permission to use the story okay but this 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 person had a um, grew up fairly difficult situation you know parents divorced quite young when he was quite young and he would see his dad once every two weeks for a weekend <coughs> and uh, you can imagine as a four five year old the expectation to see your dad once every two weeks um, leading up to that time and how nice it would be. The problem was, um, at that stage at least, of his life, his dad was a gambler, and his dad gambled on horses especially. And uh, the expectation then to see his dad um, once every two weeks um, would happen, would turn out then to be that his dad would drag him and his brother along to the gamble house and then leave him outside as he go gamble horses for the whole day. And then at some stage come out. And you can imagine for a little boy, <laughs> firstly the expectation the whole two weeks of seeing his dad. Then kind of get the impression that his dad is disinterested. And then going to a gamble house, playing horses, sitting outside hoping that his dad will come out any minute. And just never comes. And just how a boy's soul are kind of crushed. Right. And uh, as he told this story, I was like, you know, it's heartbroken. And I <coughs> I was trusting 
looked like as we were together, we said, God, let's trust for Jesus to just, even as a young boy, we, we asked that Jesus will take you back to that moment and just meet you there where you are at, you know. And so I asked him just if we would go back to that memory, you know. So he, he, he tells us about the memory and where he he's sitting outside, you know, on a, Scruffy, it's it's not a neat place. It was not Grant West, you know. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's <laughs> it's uh, um, uh, all that there is is like uh, cigarette uh, stompies, you know, that you, you can flick. But that's it, you know, just sitting there and uh, um, looking inside of the gamble house. And then I ask him, can you see? Let's trust Jesus to come into the situation. And I ask him if Jesus, you know, <laughs> would you come into that situation and. As he's in this memory, someone says, yeah, I see Jesus. Like, it's awesome, you know. He says, go to Jesus. And he goes and he sits next to Jesus. And he looks into the house. Now, I, I don't know now what to do. So I'm like, I don't know, Jesus, do something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, but I've got this great desire that I want to go into the gamble house to my dad. To my, you know. And so I'm thinking by myself, well, maybe you should go to the gamble house and ask Jesus to go with. Right? It's different when Jesus is in the gamble house and when you are on your own, you know. Maybe Jesus can sort out his dad or something, you know. And as I want to say that, you know, I feel like, no, that's, that's, not, that's not what Jesus wants to do, you know. And uh, I still, still don't know, asking and praying and waiting and then, then another, another brother, an older one, with a deep voice says, <laughs> Maybe Jesus wants to show him his father. <laughs> and I was like, of course, you know. And I said to him, why don't you ask Jesus to show him, to show you his father. And he went there back to the memory and the next moment I see he's gone. You know, God has him. Right, and he's he's in this moment where I can see God is working deeply, and we're just kind of waiting for him to come out. <laughs> and, and after a while, you know, he comes out, a bit emotional, and he comes out and he says, "Well, it was incredible, you know." As I was looking at this gamble house, <laughs> so desperate, wanting to go in there, Jesus and asking Jesus to show me his father, he turned me literally and turned my back on the gamble house. And he showed me his father. And I saw absolute acceptance. <laughs> I saw home, you know. I saw regardless. I saw that. And it was, uh, um, it was amazing, you know. It was amazing in, 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 in what Jesus wants to do. But it, it, it really made me think that picture. Because I think there is just so much for us in this picture. You know, I, I think the, the, the problem is, you know, everybody in this world, Everybody in this world look at their life at some stage and is already can play the gamble house. Everybody hopes that the ticket that they're going to play on this life is going to be favorable to them. They study, they give themselves and trust that somehow they're going to play a card, they're going to play something that's going to make them win the right horse <laughs> look some of us are quite successful in the gamble house some some of us our horse wins every now and then you know some of us pff, 
terrible track record. You know, life has treated you horrible. And then you meet Jesus. Jesus makes all the difference. But the problem is most of us look at Jesus like this. Jesus, now you take me to the gamble house. And you give me the right number so that at least this time my dreams can come true. But Jesus didn't come to make your dreams come true. He's not there to kind of whisper in your ear the right number of the right horse and go like, Jesus never promised to be your good luck charm that's just going to make your life better. He never promises that. No, in fact, Jesus has a better offer. He's got a better offer than the gamble house. He's got a sure offer. When life is not hanging on a thread of, I hope. You know, there is only sure one sure hope in this world. Only one sure hope. I don't care where you've insured your money. <laughs> I don't care anything. There's only one sure hope. And it's not in the gamble house. It's with the Father. We finally find home. Finally find acceptance or, you know, whatever it, it might be. And somehow we're still so tricked in thinking that our answer is in the gamble house, even if we drag Jesus with this time. Jesus, make my life better. You know, it's so interesting when Jesus declares himself as the way, you know, he says, I'm the way to the Father. I've got something so much better for you guys. I can truly bring you home. And see, it's interesting how we have made our Christianity, you know. Jesus is the one that makes my dreams come true. Now, there's a verse in, in 1 Corinthians 3. <laughs> I preach so well, our AV guys go so far with God always. <laughs> so, here, here, here it says, here it says. It says in 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, it says, And brethren, I could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as, but as to men of flesh. Let's, uh, um, let's, let's assume Paul is not aiming at one specific gender. It's just like a generic type of term, men and women. But as to men and women of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Receive it. Indeed, even now, you are not yet able. For you are still fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? Now that's a, I try to put the, the tone of voice quite kind so that the words... <laughs> Roll softer on you guys, all right? It's, um, <coughs> it's interesting, you know, I, um, a, a legalist, someone that's under the law, lives with this type of mindset, you know, that it's, it's uh, um, earning, earning and deserving, right? And so 
It's interesting when I found a legalist that is older than me, right? Um, how, how legalism manifests in his life. They always feel guilty about something that they did. And they always feel not worthy to come close to God. They always feel in debt to God. They know God's standard is so high. And if they look at their life, they always come short. And their whole life is to cancel the debt between them and God. They read their Bible and hope an hour will cut a little bit of debt away from God. They pray. They come to church. And the struggle to cut away debt is a mission. <laughs> but you know, what's so wonderful about Jesus? <laughs> he once and for all canceled the debt. He's made access so that we can come to the Father boldly. Not on the merits of what we've done or anything like that. Jesus, I had a bad run in the gamble house. Doesn't matter. Just come to my son. I've wasted so much money there, played the wrong horse so many times. Please, Jesus, <laughs> come to me and I'll bring you to the Father. But you know what I found in a, in a different generation? <laughs> well, maybe I shouldn't aim a generation, but some guys. Is, is it flips it. They always feel God is in debt to them. <laughs> this happens like this. Jesus, I'm the one praying every day. I'm the one coming to church. I'm the one reading my Bible. And now you bless that one. <laughs> now, <laughs> one of the, one of the, one of the uh, signs of a person that, that turns to the gamble house and not to the father is in here, I'm, 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 I'm kind, I'm, well, say it is one of the manifestations of it would be a measure of firstly strife but jealousy and jealousy would have this thing to it it will compare and you would go and say I've tried my best I've tried everything and still, that guy has more success on the, on the gamble house than me. He gets the money. He gets the opportunities. He gets the ministry. He gets the this. And here am I. <laughs> I want to say, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting. And I, I, I've had a couple of conversations this week. And it was very... Um, it was not prideful at all. It was vulnerable in where people are at, you know. But I realize how subtly just seeds of comparison has come into some of us. Why are this guy more blessed? And, I mean, quote, unquote, whatever we mean is blessed, you know. Jesus said, blessed are you when you are persecuted, Okay. <laughs> So this is like whatever our definition is of blessed. You know, it's a gamble house blessing definition, <laughs> right? So this guy's, you know, is more blessed according to the gamble house than than me. You know, and and that is some ways an indication that we have not yet fully come home, right? 
but we still are hoping that somehow our cards, somehow, whatever, somehow, if onlys, the if onlys will be redeemed. And Jesus is not personally after, and hear what I'm saying, I'm not saying that there will be blessing and all those type of things in our Christian, but understand that Jesus didn't come firstly to solve our if onlys. But he come to bring us home to the Father. And I tell you, when someone has turned to the Father as his satisfaction, as his life, competition and jealousy goes. <laughs> in some ways, we are free. You know, I, I, I thought the other day, and I, I'm, I've, I've got a little bit of ambition on me, right? I'm, naturally, I can get quite driven and I can get quite ambitious at, at time, you know. So I'm not I'm not trying to say that I'm I'm just naturally a guy that just um, doesn't matter about success and that type of things, right? I <laughs> uh, don't watch me. <laughs> so uh, I um <coughs> I thought the other day, and and look, I, I'm saying this now, and I know just around the corner, God will show the terribleness state of my heart. You know, I'm, 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 I know that. I'm not. But for a long part of my Christian life, I've been dreaming. I've been dreaming for God to bring about my dreams. It was good dreams, guys. <laughs> I want to get thousands saved. I want to get the biggest church in South Africa. <laughs> for the glory of God. I'm joking, that one wasn't specifically there. But you get my point, you know. I, 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 I had dreams, you know, that I lay myself down and all those type of things, you know. I'm sacrificing, you know. And uh, um, I thought to myself, I thought to myself, again, I, I understand what's laying around the corner. I've done this for a long time now. But I thought, like, I, I really don't have a dream anymore. I really don't have a dream anymore. I, I, there's nothing specific that I can think, like, oh, I really want this to happen. In, in my own capacity, I am saying here, guys, listen, but I, I, I really just want the will of God. I have come to understand that nothing satisfies like the will of God. And whether a dream come about, I just, the gamble house, whether I win the horse or whether my horse lose, doesn't do it for me. It doesn't do it for me. Jesus, don't take me to the gamble house. Take me to the Father. <laughs> For Father, your will satisfies like nothing else on this earth. And it's interesting what Jesus says, you know, when the disciples ask him, are you hungry? <laughs> Jesus, he would have freaked me out sometimes. It's like, just speak normal, man, please. It's like, uh, I've got food that you don't know of. All right. And then he says, my food is to do the will of the Father. Now I, now, I understand Jesus. I think I understand him. <laughs> I've come to understand and I've come to know, like, even dragging Jesus to the gamble house, that there's nothing in there that's going to do it for me. It's only going to be in the face of the Father. And I, I know, sure. Somehow, maybe... The, the gamble house is going to throw some ad that's going to trick me again to go and sniff there. Make it nice and spiritual and put a ministry slogan to it and I will go there. And, ah. 
I've come to know, you know, for now. Jesus says, me, whoever knows my will and do it, me and my father will make our home there. That's where my home is. That's where my home is. And so when I was uh, actually praying for, for today, I felt like the Lord is saying that he's bringing the great divide. He's bringing a great divide. It's interesting. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll explain now what I, what I think he means by that. You know. It's interesting, you know, um, when, when we look at the Gamble House, how, how we are sometimes so torn, you know. We have one hand is in the Gamble House and one hand is with the Father. We want a little bit of both, you know. But it's, it's interesting, Jesus says, you know, whoever finds his life, and uh, um, the word there, life, the Greek word there is, is psyche, the selfish life, soul life. It's, it's gamble house life. That's what it is, gamble house life. He says, whoever, whoever finds his life in the gamble house, this is not my translation here, so work with me here. Whoever finds his life in the gamble house will not find life with me. Whoever is willing to die to the life in the gamble house. <laughs> Whoever is willing to, to, to throw down his tickets, to throw down the numbers, to throw down the hope that was in the gamble house, will find life. Whoever is willing to lose its life, psyche, will find life. It's a different word for life, the Greek word there, zoe, abundant life. Now, the, 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 the word that I want to speak is, well, let's pop the Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. It says, <coughs> therefore, <laughs> let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of, of, both, joint, of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature... <laughs> hidden from its sight, but all things are open and laid bare to his eyes of him of him with whom we have to do. Now, you know, I, I've, I've considered that verse many times in my life because that chapter in Hebrews 4 speaks about, um, it speaks about the rest in God, which the writer kind of concludes is the result of a life of faith. How many of you have ever wondered, am I trusting is, it the, is this a worked up faith? Is this a real faith? And I'm now in spirit or am I now in flesh? Is this my motives? Or is this is his motives? You know that constant battle that we, we always find. Is this really pure or is this mixed with me? That's that, that, that thing that, that, we, that we sometimes have. And he encourages then the writers or the, the readers to enter into what would be the rest of God. That we can truly, fully trust in him. And then he says... There's the revelation word of God. There's the living word of God that is able 
to come and distinct, is able to come and pierce there between the self-life and the spirit life. It's there able to come and bring that dis distinction. Sorry, I'm on you. I'm <laughs> able to bring that distinction, that subtle distinction between that which is truly the God life and that which is the self life. You know what I think God is doing in the new thing? I think he's starting to bring a separation. I think his sword is starting to divide between the mere self life and the spirit life. Oh, praise God for the new thing. <laughs> oh, praise God for the new thing. Not merely a dream come true. Not merely my fantasies come about. But truly that I could come home in the face of the Father. You know, the soul life is an interesting thing. You know, I, uh, um, if, if the soul, forgive me for, for um, I know there's not outright Bible verses, but most people will say that the soul would conclude of the, s the emotions, the mind, and the will. It's interesting when I preach sometimes, you know, I can feel the need in a person's heart. I can feel the desire in a person's heart. You know, when, when you speak to a person that uh, um, is a gamble house Christian in, a, in the face of the father Christian, and both want your attention. And subtly, I think sometimes I bend to uh, offering the need of a, <laughs> of a um, gamble house Christian. So when a person is emotionally driven, there's an emotional need that regularly needs to be satisfied. It's like a Hollywood movie, you know. We need to put the soundtrack in the background. It just makes the kiss feels better. <laughs> it doesn't change the fact that they kiss, but it makes it feel better. And so we drive a Christianity <laughs> that at least makes it feel better. And before we know it, everything is driven in making a person feel nice. And Christianity becomes super experiential, feely, right? I once, uh, I, um, I preached to a crowd. It was in Wellington, and it's a teacher's college. The Wellington Teacher's College, unfortunately, is 75% women and 25% men. And I'm preaching about the love of God, right? And uh, um, as I look for a preacher, there's nothing like a few tears, right? <laughs> you love a few tears in your preachers. So I'm, I'm starting to preach, and I'm starting to speak about the suffering of Jesus. And as I'm starting to speak about the suffering of Jesus, I'm seeing like, yes, I'm, I'm moving these girls now, right? <laughs> So I start driving this thing, you know. <laughs> and I can be dramatic, you know. And I, <laughs> and I, I, you know, I, just, I just went for it and went for it. And after a while, I got all those girls crying. Oh, oh, what do I walk away with? I'm like, that was an awesome preach, you know. But as I with God, God said, you know, you've moved people's emotions. You have not moved them one bit in the spirit. Right? You simply tickle an emotion. You've not fed. You've not pierced and gone to the spirit of God. Now, for, for, for us that has found a Christianity, that has this driven, you know, the simple thing is being in love. You know how easy it is to fall in love? 
It takes five seconds. One look. I mean, love at first sight. It's just so beautiful if people say it. Love at first sight. And again, I must get credit to a Hollywood movie. You put the soundtrack in the background. It just makes it more juicier, right? And sometimes for you guys, you see a guy, you see a girl, and somehow you're able to build in the background music for yourself. <laughs> Slow-mo, it all helps, you know, for, for that thing. And for anybody that has been married, I wonder now how long. <laughs> Longer than it. <laughs> Jody says a month. <laughs> <laughs> you would know when the music fades <laughs> all is stripped away <laughs> you learn how to love learning how to love doesn't take five seconds it takes a lifetime <laughs> all the brothers <laughs> the older brothers <laughs> Right? But somehow we want, in, and I'm saying it in love Christianity. Give, give me an experience. I, I mean, I, I spoke this week to a, to a guy that says, I've, I've read my Bible, I've prayed, and he still haven't given me an experience. Unless he gives me an experience, I'm not going to follow him. And so much, in some ways, have had a Christianity that's fed the soul to the extent that it's built on an experience. And when I feel him, I run. And if I don't feel him, I don't run. My passion for him, my love for him is completely linked to a feeling. We need to move on. The sword needs to come there and bring that divide. That's Gamble House Christianity. It's not the face of the Father Christianity. But then you get those guys, you know. The mind guys. that uh, um, I've also preached to. And I've, uh, uh, it's great to be in a university town. Guys needs to be stimulated, right? And sometimes when I've come before that type of soul, I have felt I need to give new information. Unless I can't give new information, I won't stimulate them. And I have thought every time, I need to say now something that they've never heard before. One. Or I need to be thought-provoking, a little bit philosophical, that I can just tickle their thoughts. Oh, they love it. They drink it. <laughs> but I've come to know that freshness in God has got nothing to do with the newness of information. Freshness of God is completely linked to the presence of God. If God is there, it's fresh. Even if I say something like, God loves you, and you go, well, I've heard that, but yet it's so fresh because His presence is on me, right? And that, <laughs> the problem with us then, with, with following reason and following logic in which we build our Christianity, is that, <laughs> look, He's going to move outside of your understanding. He's going to move outside of your reason. He's going to move outside of how it should work. And if you're going to be hung up on your mind, and I'm not saying throw our minds away. I say just submit those minds. 
bring those minds under. <laughs> Crucify those minds to be <laughs> vehicles that can follow the spirit, not vehicles that dictate and determine how things should be. Right? And so, you know, I, I thought about that, you know. It is impossible to conjure up faith by reasoning. I, 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 I had this uh, profound thought, uh, coming, if I be honest now, you know, <laughs> in my own, uh, own humility, or I, <laughs> that, that faith can never be conjured up by reasoning. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things is unseen. Reasoning in its very essence want to make it seen. Faith is always birthed by the Spirit. Faith will never be birthed by reasoning. Faith might uh, reasoning might confirm our faith, but it will never produce our faith. It's a work from the Spirit and a dependency on the Spirit. So I can speak about the will guys, the determination and determined guys. As you would have heard today, he is the I am, you are the I am not. And unless you're going to learn, the will guys, the emotion guys die fairly easy. The mind guys die difficult, but the will guys die the most hardest. Those guys, you know, so determined. I will do this. And God needs to get it. He needs to divide it. That you surrender your will and so that he can get his will. So, <laughs> guys, I think, I think he is really in this time surfacing things in our hearts. Why everybody... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought the eagle or something profound would land, but okay, squirrel <laughs> announcing a new season. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I I want this maybe just to consider our hearts a little bit, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna pray. Maybe we can ask. Uh, I want to say, honest to create some atmosphere. <laughs> Let's trust honest will actually have anointing, right? <laughs> God bless him. Pray for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't it beautiful? I mean, I, uh, the story of Anna. So as we're waiting for him to slowly, slowly get his way here, I, I was there that that day a year ago, and just you know, seeing seeing his how broken he is, and you know, just how difficult and hard the time was. And I've been privileged to every now and then during this year, been able to contact him and and touch him and. Just hear how he's doing, and I when I I don't want to make it now about you, but I I just just hearing you today and just being here, it was really for me a confirmation of God has done done great things, you know. It was quite a difficult thing to be <laughs> publicly stepped down as an elder, right? <laughs> if you're in the gamble house, that's game over. But not if you are turned to the face of the Father. Then he restores. 
And even I feel like, geez, I feel like you know, there was more anointing on, on Anish today than many times that I heard him in before. There was really a lot of life. <laughs> it was cool. It's cool to see. It was redeeming to see. So anyway, if you guys can maybe close your eyes. And geez, I... Thank you for, for the new thing. <laughs> and thank you for the great divide that you are bringing. Thank you, Father, for the trap of the gamble house. A life full of if onlys. A life full of comparison. A life full of strife. A life full of, Lord, may we say, jealousy. A life of never feeling home and never feeling satisfied. And you come, Lord, and pierce all of those things that seems to be pure and come and show, no, your heart and your face is turned to the wrong thing. Let me truly bring you home. Let me truly bring you home. Father, I pray pray today, Lord, that <laughs> some of us will say finally goodbye to the hope of whatever the gamble house offer. We're not going to turn there again. But Father, we want to turn to you. We want to turn to the life of the Spirit. A life where you are all and you are enough. A life where your will is our food. Maybe, I mean, if you guys can just pray or just have a little bit of time with God. I'm just going to ask, could you just sing and minister over us?